Hello and welcome to SETI Seminars, brought to you by the Ilkley Literature Festival. This podcast series will introduce you to a wide range of topics as leading experts break down years of study into bite-sized talks. From 18th century murder mysteries to modern US history, and from psychiatry to post-colonial literature. ICASP, also known as the Yorkshire Integrated Catchment Solutions Programme, is funded by the Natural Environment Research Council. They work on a wide range of projects, including flood and drought management, improving the resilience of cities to climate change, developing sustainable agriculture, and devising business cases for greening city developments. In this podcast, Catherine Seal, Dr. Tom Willis, and Dr. Jenny Armstrong discuss some of the projects ongoing in West Yorkshire. Good afternoon to all Ilkley Literature Festival listeners. My name is Kath Seal, Communications Officer for ICASP, which is Yorkshire Integrated Catchment Solutions Programme. So we're a programme that was initially funded by the Natural Environment Research Council, and we're based at the University of Leeds and part of Water at Leeds, which is the largest interdisciplinary centre for water research in any university in the world, made up of professionals with different expertise and backgrounds. So our role is to use existing environmental science to work with a variety of organisations, including businesses, the environment agency, local authorities, community groups and charities, to help them come up with practical solutions to real problems affecting whole catchments. So these problems range from providing information for a business plan to securing funding for the region using mapping tools to provide scientific evidence about what interventions are needed to reduce flood risk. So we bring together academics to work with experts on the ground from organisations involved in catchment management in fields such as natural flood management. Currently, we've got about 40 projects on the go that are focusing on reducing flood and drought risk, improving improving the resilience of cities to climate change, preserving valuable areas of peat in the moors, developing sustainable agriculture and devising business cases for greening city developments and making more space for water. So already we've generated more than £50 million of benefits to Yorkshire's economy by influencing investments, identifying cost savings and creating new products and jobs. We have contributed to the development of the government's environmental projects and policies and strategies. We'd like to talk to you today about some of our exciting projects where we have already made a difference to the region and our new projects which are being introduced. Our door is always open to working with new partners and collaborations, so do get in touch. Our email is icasp.leeds.ac.uk and our website is www.icasp.org.uk. We always welcome new ideas for improving uh, the environment, which could be funded as part of partnership bids across the region. So first of all, I'd like to introduce Dr Tom Willis, an Impact Translation Fellow working with ICASP, who's going to talk about some of his projects, including one that's based just here on Ilkley Moor, which is around Backstone Beck. Uh, So Backstone Beck, for those who don't know Ilkley that well, is the first river if you're walking up from the Cow and Calf 
uh, and you walk up to the top of the moor, Backstone Beck's the first river that you'll cross, uh, which heads down into Ilkley. And for those of you who've driven through, if you've driven from Ben Ridding into Ilkley Town Centre, you'll pass over it a few times. Uh, and it's one of the major rivers which come from Ilkley Moor into the town. So what we're interested in in this project uh, is we're trying to understand how what we call natural flood management features, so NFM, uh, how these might help reduce flood risk downstream uh, in, in Ilkley. Uh, the way we do this in hydrology, we don't necessarily have the advantage of being able to like other scientists where we could go into a laboratory and try and figure out what the impact of a certain uh, process or feature might be. What we have to do is come up with computer models, which we can then use to understand the impact of a certain feature or a certain change in the catchment that we've done. So in this particular project, what we're doing is developing what we call a rain on grid catchment model. And what that is, is we take a catchment, in this case, Backstone Beck, we split it up into little squares, and at each little square, we'll calculate how much rain will turn into overland flow, and it's the overland flow that becomes flooding, and that's what we want to understand. So what we also then want to do is add in our natural flood management features. Um, so these are a number of features which have been added into the catchment, and we can put them into the model. And what we can then do is have a baseline model and a model with these NFM features, and we can look at the difference between the two and establish what the impact is. This project was devised by uh, a colleague of ours at the University of Leeds, Dr. Mark Trigg, in civil engineering. Can I take you back a step, Tom? Could you just explain a bit about what natural flood management is? Yeah, so natural flood management is, or it's also known as working with natural processes. So this is a a sort of new way of trying to introduce flood management features. So I think traditionally when people think of flood management, they think of levees or dams, things which are designed to block water or to keep it within the channel. They might think of dredging as well. These are all approaches that have been used in the past. These are what we might call hard engineering. So it's a lot of concrete or it's a lot of uh, structures or it's uh, a manual process of modifying the channel in a certain way to increase the capacity in the channel. What we're trying to do now is something which is much more in keeping with natural processes. So we're trying to replicate what might have happened if we left the catchment untouched and we just allowed certain natural processes to occur. So perhaps the most obvious one, and there are examples of this on Ilkley Moor, what we call leaky woody debris dams. So traditionally what would happen in a catchment if it was forested is that trees will start to fall into these catch the into the channels at the top of a catchment and they act like natural dams. Over time these begin to degrade and fall apart and again they begin to modify the channel in a certain way which stops water coming off the hill slopes very quickly. And that's the main part here is what we're trying to do is slow the flow in the top of a catchment uh, retaining water for slightly longer there before allowing it into the river channel. So a lot of these natural flood management features and processes are designed to keep water on the hill slope for longer and to prevent it becoming floodwaters downstream. Another way that NFM is implemented in catchments is to use peatland restoration. So for a large part of Ilkley Moor, the peatland has become significantly degraded. 
peatland has the advantage that it can soak up quite a lot of rainfall in when it's dried out a little bit and in the initial phase of um, a storm event peatland is really good at absorbing rainfall so another feature that has been added an nfm feature is just to generally restore the peatland on ilkley moor and hopefully what this will do over time as well is act more like a sponge and soak up a lot of the rainfall that comes from storm events so another uh, nfm feature as well that's also being used on the moor is uh footpath redirection so footpaths on the moor we obviously all like to have a walk on Hookley Moor it's really good but one of the unfortunate side effects is that over time these footpaths become natural gullies and natural channels so a lot of rainwater gets redirected down these and they end up um, being kind of channeled directly into the watercourse so this has a really negative impact on flood risk one of the aspects that has also been looked at in this project and is being looked at more generally by Bradford is how can you position the flood paths and position the footpaths in a way which will stop this runoff happening quickly during a storm event. So there's a lot of work on thinking about how do you direct paths in certain directions to make sure water doesn't end up straight in the water channel. And I understand that this is a partnership project. So who else is, is involved? Who else are we working with? Uh, so primarily we're working with a group um, of people who are also working on other projects in Ilkley. Uh, we're working with Bradford Metropolitan District Council. So they are responsible for not only a lot of the NFM implementations that have happened on the moor, but they're also responsible for uh, putting river gauges on Backstone Beck. So those gauge data are really important for the work that we do because we can then make sure our model replicates the gauge data that have been provided for us by Bradford Council. So it's a really important component of this work and it's a really unique component as well. There aren't many examples in the UK where people have put in gauges on catchments and rivers this small um, and then then uh, monitored it before they applied a change and monitored it after they've put in these nfm features that's a really unique feature and it's great credit to bradford council having the foresight to do that uh, we're also working with the environment agency who have as always have an overview of a lot of these processes they're also involved in a lot of nfm projects throughout the country uh, we're working with yorkshire water as well so they're very interested in how these nfm modifications might improve overland flow and flow through the sewer network as well and we're also working with friends of ilkley moor and more for the future as well who have provided us with a lot of data for um uh, including rain gauge data on top of ilkley moor so this is all valuable data and valuable insights that we use to not only inform our modeling but to make sure that the project has useful outcomes that's always an important part of our work is making sure people can use these results and they're not just doing it for for the sake of doing it and so ultimately will the project help to reduce flooding in the area that's a good question so it's always difficult to kind of understand whether these features will ultimately help reduce flooding flooding will happen regardless so even by putting these nfm features into a catchment they'll never fully prevent flooding but what we can say there is that they are helping to reduce the peak of flooding. So we're noticing in our modeling results already that these features will have an impact downstream at, uh, at Leeds Road. 
So that's historically in the past on Blackstone Beck, that's where a lot of flooding has happened. But we can already see from our model results that these features do actually reduce flooding levels at that point. What we think will be more important with these features in the long term is that we're expecting flooding to become more of a problem for uh, not just Ilkley, but for the whole country. We're expecting more flooding to happen as a result of climate change. What we think the advantage of these NFM features will be is that by reducing overland flow at critical points in the catchment through the use of leaky dams or stone dams, uh, what we think will happen is that the frequency of flooding will hopefully remain similar to current conditions. So in the way, NFM features help to climate-proof Ilkley and other places where these features are implemented so that's the main aim, hopefully, that we see. The main outcome that we see is that flooding becomes no worse, even if we see more rainfall as a result of climate change. And has this modelling been used for other ICAST projects in other areas? Uh, yes, we have. So one of the projects that we've worked on in ICASP is also looking at natural flood management in Calderdale. So Calderdale is perhaps more of an obvious and famous case for flooding. Hebden Bridge has suffered numerous flood events uh, over the years. Um, One of the projects that we looked at in ICAS was trying to understand how land use and land management might impact on flooding in Todmorden and Hebden and uh, a number of other little catchments within Calderdale. Uh, One of the components of that as well was not only trying to understand uh, land management and how that might impact on flooding, so in particular farming and uh, tree planting, how these might impact on uh, flooding, but we're also trying to understand how natural flood management itself could be used to alleviate these problems. Uh, So this was a project that took place over 18 months Uh, We worked with the local council there and the environment agency. We're also working uh, with the National Trust and Yorkshire Water as well. Um, uh, This project then, we were using a slightly different approach to our modelling that we've used in Backstone Beck. So a similar principle, uh, applying uh, rainfall, cutting up a catchment into little squares and then applying rainfall at each of these little squares, um, which... Um, then will allow us to understand how that rainfall becomes runoff and how that ends up in a watercourse and how it eventually becomes flood water. So in that project, uh, what we looked at in a little bit more detail then was, as I said, these kind of land use and land management practices. So what we did was try and create little scenarios with different farming and grazing situations. So we looked at different parts of the catchment. We looked at different farms and locations. And what we tried to do was to simulate what would happen if you allowed uh, grazing stock to become very intensive and to kind of strip the landscape of vegetation. Uh, And what we tried to do then was to include this in our model. And by comparing that to what would be perhaps a more normal level of farming, we could begin to understand how changes in farming practices might impact flood risk. What we could also look at as well then was uh, if we started to do tree planting in strategic locations, so if we could identify which fields were contributing more to overland flow and to flooding, if we could pick those locations, plant trees in there, can we help alleviate perhaps some of the issues that have been seen in Hebden Bridge? And can we, again, have 
a bit of resilience to climate change by not relying too much on hard engineering, but can we take a step back and do these soft engineering NFM style approaches? What we found in that was when it comes to natural flood management, making lots of little changes can actually have quite a big impact. So we found that the the sum of the benefit was greater when you added all these NFM features together. So leaky dams, tree planting, strategic hedge planting as well. Anything which would help absorb rainfall or disrupt the flow of water moving across a landscape. All of these components were helping uh, in their own small way. They add up to a much greater benefit. And what will the results of this project be used for? How will they be useful for organisations such as Calderdale Council? So Calderdale Council have a document called the Flood Action Plan. So this helps them to understand not only what causes flooding or what the main causes of flooding are, it also helps them in the direction of where do they want to put in either flood measures uh, to prevent flooding or where do they want to put in planning restrictions to help guide and help to make sure that the impact of flooding is either reduced or is not made any worse. So we've helped to feed into that document and we're helping then to, through that document, we're helping them to kind of realise a strategy, a long-term strategy for evaluating how to go about using the landscape and using the catchment to its best advantages. Okay, thank you, Tom. So now I'd like to introduce Dr Jenny Armstrong, And she's going to talk to us about um, a project called Communicating Flood Risk. Can you tell us a bit about the project, Jenny? Yeah, sure. So um, thanks for having me along to this podcast. Um, So the Communicating Flood Risk project came about when um, different partners of ICASP in Yorkshire came to the programme and said, well, we know that we do a lot of work on communicating flood risk. We work with partners and there's lots of research in this area but we know that we still face challenges when we're trying to communicate flood risk to the public and in a way that will help them become more resilient. So could um, ICAST do a project to to help us with this and to offer some solutions and some tools so that we can get get better at it and overcome the challenges that we face? So we said, yeah, of course, that sounds like a fantastic project. So it was uh, primarily working with Leeds City Council, York City Council, the Environment Agency, and the Living With Water Partnership, which is based over a hallway, which has got Hull City Council and Yorkshire Water, as well as others as main partners. Um, So what we did was we went out and we did lots of interviews with um, colleagues that work in risk management authorities and asked them about the challenges that they faced when they are communicating flood risk. And um, we also did lots of interviews with, um, we call them engaged members of the public. So these are people who work um, or volunteer in flood groups. They might be flood wardens or they might be just really part of an environmental group or um, just really engaged in environmental issues in the areas that they live in. Well, they might have just been directly affected by flooding. So asking them about the communication around flood risk and especially during an incident, like how does that go and what challenges do you face and how could that be better? Um, So the challenges that came out when we were talking to colleagues from risk management um, authorities and also the engaged members of the public were really things around um, communicating roles and responsibilities during a flood incident. So who is responsible for responding to certain elements of a flood incident? 
um, and also how to get in contact with them. So how the different um, risk management authorities communicate with each other, but also how they communicate with um, the wider public. Um, so the methods by which to do that. Um, understanding and knowing how to reach people who aren't necessarily engaged and don't um, know about their flood risks. So it's about reaching the right people at the right time. That was a challenge that came out. Um, another one that came out was thinking about um, communicating like technical elements of flooding. So things around magnitude and frequency. So how big is it going to be? How severe is it going to be? And when, how often is it going to occur? So communicating them in really user-friendly ways that, that anyone could understand. Um, another one is really just supporting effective relationship building. So um, the feeling that all the people involved in communicating flood risk when an incident does happen, that they have that those relationships with each other and trust with each other. So we hope doing an exercise like this will actually help build trust. Um, so that was a, another challenge or kind of issue that was raised. Um, so we took all of those challenges and we then asked academic experts within Yorkshire what they kind of thought of what was coming out of the challenges and how could um, we all together work to come at, come at the challenges differently and put interventions in that would help overcome them. So we designed um, a flood engagement exercise, um, which is a completely free exercise. Um, it's designed for these kind of people who are involved in flood risk communications during an incident to come along and take part. Um, and the idea is that it takes them through different tasks um, and different situations that they might face during an incident when they're trying to communicate flood risk to each other or amongst each other to the wider public and kind of simulates the challenges that they face and gets them to discuss why is it a challenge, like how can they overcome it, how can they look at it differently. Um, and then crucially, it has a big debrief session to think okay what are the reflections from this exercise and how can they be taken into the real world if you like to really have an impactful change and try to improve flood risk communications um, so that when the next flood event does happen that um, everyone can work together to deal with it in the best way possible and to to mitigate impact and to help everyone recover quicker so I should say it's based in a fictional uh, catchment called Riding Bridge. So it reflects um, characteristics found across Yorkshire, shall we say, in terms of catchment, uh, topography, geography, exposure to rainfall, etc. And who's the exercise aimed at? Who is it that you're wanting to take part? So it's primarily aimed at um, risk management authorities and engaged members of the public. So it's designed so it can be used as a training tool kind of within organisations or across organisations. So, so far we've done it with um, local authority groups mainly, so the different city councils in Yorkshire. Um, we're really looking to do um, exercises with engaged members of the public as well. We've got a few in the pipeline with flood groups across Yorkshire. Um, but crucially, what we're really looking to do, and there's some in the pipeline at the minute, and if you're listening and you would like to do um, one of these exercises and take part, is we'd really like a mixture of organisations. Um, so a mixture of engaged members of the public and people from risk management authorities. Because um, the idea is, and the kind of academic research says that if we can bring people together in a safe environment to discuss issues and challenges, then that's really beneficial in overcoming um challenges that are faced so 
we'd really like to think that it could be applied in that way as well. So, um, yeah. And how's it all going? Are you getting a lot of bookings? Yeah, we are getting quite a lot of bookings, actually. We um, have done four exercises so far, um, and we've got quite a few in the pipeline, and not just from Yorkshire, which is really nice. We've had inquiries and bookings from um, over Middlesbrough Way. We've had inquiries from Cumbria. We've had inquiries from Cornwall um, and also North Wales. So all around the UK, people are picking it up and, and inquiring with us. So that's that's really fantastic. And um, initially, we were only due to run until the end of March, but because we have had such... Uh, a lot of requests then we've we've extended it so we're running until September so yeah if anyone would like to get in touch and um, has an application for the exercise then we'd be more than happy to work with you. And how do groups actually book on? Have you got a dedicated web page? Yeah, so we have a dedicated web page on the ICASP web page, which I think Kath you mentioned earlier so it's ICASP which is I-C-A-S-P at leads.ac.uk is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's fine. <laughs> okay, yeah. perfect. Um, and you can also get in touch with us through our um, social media channels, so Twitter, um, etc. Okay, and what what's next? What what do you envisage will happen next with this exercise um, or the project? Yeah, so we're hoping to apply it as many times as possible wherever it could be useful. We don't really have a limit. It's just how many we can get through, really, and how many we can facilitate. Um, we started off doing it virtually because of the COVID situation, but we do have the option to do um, in-person exercises. So we have done one with Leeds City Council, which went really well. Um, so it can be um, both virtual and in-person, I guess, just depending on like how far we can travel um, and what's practical. Um, and the idea of kind of... Um, the impact of this project. So the ICAS program is all about delivering as much impact as possible. So um, we hope that just by taking part in the exercise, like, it will be beneficial to the people, to the participants. But also because we're doing this exercise a number of times, the tasks that we take people through and the reflections and the discussion points that come up, we can collate all of those over the different applications of the exercise to give like flood risk communications and the challenges that are faced within that field, like a greater voice um, so that we can, um, I don't know, promote the need for more resource and more um, expertise in the area to, um, to bring people into the different organisations um, that um, deal with flood risk. So um, this flood engagement exercise that we have at the moment really focuses on flood risk communications around an incident. So when flooding is actually happening, but when we talked to um, the risk management authorities and the engaged members of the public in the interviews in the beginning, there was other challenges that were brought up and these challenges were around more um, like long-term resilience and um, flood scheme development. So things like how um, the climate is changing and how that will affect um, flood risk and how that can be dealt with, what can individuals do to, to help their flood risk there. And also just understanding thing, things around scheme development. So um, the levels of protection offered by different schemes, how long schemes take to be built, like what are the funding situations that mean a scheme can be built or can't be. So if we were to get some more funding or if there was to be a high level of interest there like almost different packages that we could make so we could make different engagement exercises that focused very much on like the long-term resilience and the climate change side of things um, or we could do and in addition we could do 
um, like scheme development. So there are lots. There's lots okay, more so to go at in finally, this, uh, in, this um, area, in light really. of the recent storms that hit Yorkshire quite hard uh, and other places uh, during February, we'd like to talk about one of our new kinds of, of projects. It's a bit different to the traditional ICAST project that we're supporting, and it sets out to reduce the impact of flooding and climate change throughout our region. It's called the West Yorkshire Flood Innovation Project program that's flip in brief and um if dr jenny armstrong if you'd like to tell us a bit about that please yeah sure so um the west yorkshire flip um, that came to be from um basically icasp and all the um authorities partners stakeholders across yorkshire working together and recognizing that working together is a really powerful way of um, addressing the environmental challenges that we face, especially thinking about climate change and flooding. Um, so also thinking about having to work at a bigger scale, uh, a catchment scale, um, and even wider and all work together, not just look at one area in isolation because um, well, catchment science, it all works as a system. So how can we work together um, to best make ourselves more resilient? Um, but um, crucially, how can we do that in new ways, how can we drive innovation forward and always be thinking about new ways to increase resilience and address these challenges. So the West Yorkshire flip, that's really its essence, is the five local authorities across West Yorkshire. Um, so Wakefield, Kirklees, Leeds, Calderdale, and I've set myself up for this, haven't I? <laughs> Wakefield, Kirklees, Leeds, Calderdale, and who am I? Bradford. Bradford. There we go. <laughs> Poor Bradford, sorry. <laughs> Set myself up for that one. Um, so for the local authorities to come together to, to just coordinate more, to pool resources, to really think about innovative ways of dealing with flood risk and making their um, regions more resilient to climate change. Um, we're also partnered up with the Environment Agency, they're very heavily involved, and um, WICA, the West Yorkshire Com Combined Authority also. So we've received funding, like a kickstart funding, if you like, from the Regional Flood and Coastal Committee um, to fund us for two years to start up the programme and to get it running, to develop a roadmap and to, um, to really um, set on uh, key themes that we want to address um, across West Yorkshire. Um, so those five themes are integrated water management solutions, um, so that includes flooding caused by surface water, um, nature-based solutions or natural flood management, so similar to the work that Tom was talking about previously, um, property flood resilience, so this is like measures installed in homes or business premises to make them less vulnerable to flooding, um, and also early um, flood warning systems. And then a crucial one, which is quite cross-cutting, is like the community and voluntary sectors. So helping um, those who work in these areas to be more involved, like they often have a lot of local knowledge and really valuable um, experience. So how can we best, cap uh, best use that to incorporate into these new initiatives and looking at things differently? And does ICASP have a specific role in this project? Yeah, so ICASP, I guess, is um, kind of uh, having the same role as it does in a lot of projects where we are acting kind of as the glue and the facilitators to, to draw everyone together and to, to help coordinate the work. So um, over the last three months, um, 
ICASP through the University of Leeds, we got a little bit of funding from Research England to create a roadmap. So um, we held a couple of workshops where we invited um, partners and stakeholders across West Yorkshire to come along to these workshops and look at the five themes that have been identified and really um, comment on what work is already ongoing, what work they would like to see happen across the region under these themes and how can you think about um, drawing in new and innovative ways of working in these areas. So linking up with different sectors such as uh, green finance, like finance more broadly, um, the private sector, um, the health sector, just bringing in new people that we don't usually work with um, on the day-to-day -to, -day to just look at things differently and um, increase resilience in different ways. Um, so with ICAS being, of course, based at the University of Leeds, but also partnered and working across universities across Yorkshire, we have like academic expertise at our fingertips. So as well as coordinating and acting as the glue, it really, ICAS were really well positioned to um, engage with academics and make that link between, if you like, the academic world and the, the real world, if you like, um, to make sure that the latest scientific research is used for um, driving forward um, resilience to climate change and other environmental issues that we all face. And why is this project so important? if we think about climate change and flooding, increases in flooding? I think it's really important um, because uh, for a number of reasons, I think um, obviously we all know climate change is, is real, it's here, it's going to affect us, it's affecting us now, it's going to affect us more severely um, in the future. And so if we can work together, um, real realize innovation, increase efficiencies across different organizations, um, then I really do think that it stands us um, in the best position possible to become more resilient, um, but also to go beyond resilience and to, to really prosper in the face of climate change um, and to take advantage of opportunities and to be able to tra transition ourselves towards net zero um, so that we are sustainable into the future for generations to come, really. Okay, so thank you to Dr. Jenny Armstrong and Dr. Tom Willis for joining me today and to the Ilkley Literature Festival team for inviting us along. It's been great. Uh, if you'd like to know more about any of our projects, you can visit us at www.icasp.org.uk or email us if you want to get in touch at icasp.leeds.ac.uk or you can follow us on Twitter. Um, we are planning a major conference uh, at University of Leeds in September. And finally, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to us today. Thank you for joining this SETI seminar. We hope you've enjoyed listening. If you would like to learn more about this and other topics in the series, then reading lists are available in the episode description of your podcast app. Or you can check out our website, which is ilkleylitfest.org.uk. Until next time, don't forget to like, rate and subscribe. <laughs>